in Numbers 12. We're going to spend uh, our time there, and tonight's going to be a little bit different than the last few weeks that we've had. If you like pacing with the notes, we're still going to do that, but we are going to take just half of what we intended for tonight. I believe God wants to spend us to spend a little bit more time on the aspect of replacing a critical attitude, and next week we're going to look at replacing it with an attitude of love. But I believe we need all of our time tonight to look at this attitude of a critical spirit. You know, as we've uh, been in this series, we see that when we choose a lifestyle of grumbling and complaining, we will live our life in the wilderness. A critical attitude is one of the five wilderness attitudes that causes God to thrust his children into the wilderness. Now, as we start off tonight, we always like to celebrate what God is doing in our life. It's good to celebrate when we see God at work and give Him praise and glory. And so I want to start off tonight with a testimony. And I want us to see clearly that it is possible to have victory over a critical attitude. How many believe that God can give you victory over a critical attitude? Amen. Very good. So I'm going to ask that we have a testimony now. I'm going to ask my wife Carrie to come on up. Uh, Carrie, uh, my wife, uh, has been a great helpmate in ministry for many years. And she also has a calling uh, in the public school system. And she has taught English and theater and all kinds of other things. Currently teaching uh, freshman English at Carroll High School. And uh, God has brought victory to her in many areas. And I want her to share a testimony tonight of, of how God has brought victory to you over a critical attitude. So, Carrie, why don't you just do that right now? Bring glory to the Lord of how he has set you free from a critical attitude. Well, you know, at school, I deal with lots of teachers and administrators and students. And, um, you know, uh, Brady, when I'm teaching in class, you know, sometimes those students come to me and they don't understand the assignment and they think that I should explain it to them. And, um, well, frankly, it really annoys me. And um, then when I go to lunch and I um, meet with other teachers and we talk at the tables and they tell me about their lives and I can't get a bite of food during lunch, it Frankly, it wears on me, and um, administrators are always sending announcements and, and uh, paperwork and all kinds of things, and you know, it just, it really, it really wears on me, I'm telling you, it, it really does. Okay, all right, well, I, I know it, it's tough, but uh, let, let's get to the victory of what God's done in your life, and maybe, maybe at church, you've been a great helpmate at church, how you've seen victory over a critical attitude yes. in your life. God is church. so good at church, God is so good, um, but sometimes after church, you know, people come to me, and, and they really talk a really long time and I get really tired while they're talking to me and they kind of suck the life out of me because they keep telling me things about their lives and you know I just I really have to get home because the crock pot is going to overflow Victory. yes um, and um, well, well then you know I have to deal with school and with church and and you know it's it's just it wears on me okay well you know I, uh, I know this can be tough but at home surely you found victory over a critical attitude at home I know you have a, a wonderful daughter and, and a great husband, I, I think. It's a, share with us about victory you've had over a critical attitude there. Well, when I, I come home from school and, you know, I've been at church and then I come home and, well, you guys just are really messy and um, you always have a lot of things to ask me about and you want something and then Caden wants something and you want something and then I clean everything up and then it's messy again. And um, after school and church and all the people I have to deal with, then, well, you guys, you just really wear on me. Uh, okay. You really, you really... Well. This is definitely a, a different testimony that I had in, in mind, but uh, um, <laughs> we're after the victory that God can bring. But maybe carry it this way we could put it. You know, could you tell us personally how God has 
brought you victory in your own personal life over a critical attitude? Yeah. Well, I, well, I think I've shared a lot of those things okay. um, already um, about how God has brought victory in my life. Um, but maybe you want to know um, how I did it. Uh, yeah, would, would we like to know how you she's done how that? I, how I, I like have victory over... Um, well, you know, people are just really annoying. Um, when they come and talk to you, like teachers and students. And, and, and so I just really got tired of um, them complaining and um, being critical. And so I just stopped. You, you just stopped? I did. Okay, okay. Well, you know, um, like I said, this is kind of different. Um, but this could be good. Uh, you know, truth, truth is needed. And uh, I, you know, kind of embarrassed, don't want to do this in front of everybody right here. But, you know, uh, this is a good opportunity. You, you know, maybe, Carrie, this is not as much of an area of victory as we thought for you. And so um, maybe this is a growth opportunity for you. I just want to throw that out there. You know, um, there's a lot of great things happen in your life, but maybe this is an area that God's going to continue to grow you in. No, I don't think so. I think I have victory. Well, well no, I... I really, I really think that God wants to grow you more in this area, and this, this may not be a place where you have total victory in your life. Okay, okay, Brady, you can just stop there. I don't like when you take that tone of voice with me. Um, maybe you just think because you're taller than me that you can say things like that, but um, I, I just don't think it's very nice. And you know what, Brady, I just have to admit, you know, in front of all these people, that you're just really beginning to wear on me. Okay, well, th- thank you for your testimony. Let's give her a hand. Amen. Amen. Oh, well, I hope you catch the point. Carrie's the perfect person to use for that illustration. She is so not like that. She is so not like that. You know, but um, I-, I believe that this is so important for us because many of us, I think a lot of us, don't even realize how much of an issue this is for us, that we battle a critical attitude. And I want to suggest tonight that a lot of us, we don't even see this. We are blind to our own self. We don't see how much we battle a critical attitude. You know, uh, for you, it's my prayer tonight, and for me, it's my prayer tonight, that God would open our eyes, that we would begin to see that could this possibly be an area in our life that we need to grow? An area that is blocking the flow of God in our life. In this series, maybe you said, you know what, we've talked about complaining. I don't really struggle with complaining or coveting. You know, that's not a big foothold in my life. But an area of being critical could quite possibly be a roadblock that's blocking you from what God wants to do in your life. As we get started tonight, as I said, we're going to get to some of those blanks in a little bit. We'll get there and just relax. Now, the back half of that sheet, we're going to cover that next week. So for those of you who that freaked you out, just want to prepare you right now. We will not go to 9 o'clock tonight, uh, but uh, we'll catch the second half of that next week. But as we look at Numbers chapter 12, we've got to start with a definition of criticism. So we're on the same page, so we know what we're talking about. Criticism, right there on your outline, jot this in. It's to dwell on the perceived faults of another person. To dwell on the perceived faults of another person with no view to their good. You see, as we break that down, this is important. It's that perceived fault. When we're criticizing, when we're a critical person, it's your perception of their fault. Now, we've got to understand that we don't always have the right perception. 
We don't always have all the information. And so when we are critical of someone else, we've got to understand that it's our view of what's wrong with them. And the second part of this is we dwell on it over and over. We constantly think about it. We comment on it. We always see it. And we point out what's wrong with someone else. And you say, well, I just want to be of help. I just want to help them out. I can't help but notice. Well, that's why the second part is so important. It's critical when we dwell on the perceived faults of another person with no view to their good. No view to their good. Now, there are positive people in this room. I mean, if we would ask you to be a part of a team that would critique how we have done a ministry event or a service, and and all you could say is, that's awesome, that's great, and you wouldn't have any aspect to bring any kind of constructive things to us. And if you're of that personality, tonight you may need to just endure a little of this teaching for some of us who have a little more of an analytical mind. But there's some of us that we just have an analytical mind and you you see things that are wrong. I don't want you to misunderstand the teaching in God's Word tonight. This is not saying you shouldn't use your gift of analysis. You just can't help but noticing that this was out of place or this wasn't right. But when we dwell upon a perception of somebody else's fault with no view to their good, we're not being analytical. We're being critical, and it's damaging, and it's not helpful. Turn your Bible with me to uh, Numbers chapter 12. And I want us to walk through this scripture together. Numbers 12, starting at verse 1. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses. Now, when, when we see this talk against or speak against, some translations would say to criticize, they are speaking against Moses. They've had it. They're frustrated. I want to first note that Miriam, who is speaking here, she's a woman of God. Throughout Scripture, we see how she's been used, and and we see all kinds of evidence that she is a woman of God. And before we get too haughty and we begin to say, well, I'm not one of those people who's so critical, every single person, every saint, every disciple, every follower is subject to this wilderness attitude that we can be critical. We can dwell on the perceived fault of somebody else with no view to their good. As we read on, They talked against Moses because of his Cushite wife, and he married a Cushite. Now, what was the real issue here? Was it that he married someone of of a different tribe or a different race? Was it the color of her skin? And, and, And some scholars have looked at this, but this is not really the issue. As we read on, we see what the real problem was. What is the real complaint? Let's look at verse 2. This is Miriam and Aaron speaking. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? I mean, they're just showing their cards right there. They're putting everything on the table. Moses, I'm sick of hearing about you. I mean, I'm going to speak against you. I'm going to criticize you. Why? Well, I don't like your wife. Well, what's, what's the real issue? Well, I just hear all the time, Moses, 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 Moses. I mean, doesn't God speak to us? I can talk pretty good. I I can hear from God. God uses me everywhere I go. Moses said this. Moses did that. Moses, Moses, Moses. I'm sick of it. At least that's what I get from the Scripture. I don't know if your Bible says that or not, but that's where it is. Over and over and over, they're, they're complaining about this. Their real beef with Moses was jealousy. 
They didn't like it that everybody was looking to Moses. He had a position of prominence, and they were jealous. As we see this as being the real issue, we read on in verse 2 through 3. Look in your Bibles with me. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And this is very important. If you mark in your Bible, you might want to underline this. And the Lord heard this. How many times when we have a critical spirit, a critical attitude, we think that God doesn't hear it or no one else hears it? The Lord heard their critical words. Look at verse 3. This is a strange verse. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Isn't that weird? Uh, Well, here's, here's why it's strange. Who wrote the Pentateuch? Anybody remember? Moses. Now, I'm not the the greatest intellectual giant in the world, but it doesn't take a genius to say, you know what, Uh, even if you're the most humble man in the world after writing a sentence like that, you definitely are not the most humble man on earth anymore. Well, obviously, there are some parts in these passages of Scripture that the people who collected these writings also inserted some inspired words. I mean, we can kind of see that Moses probably didn't write about his own death. There are some others who helped with that. And what's happening here in the Scripture is there's people who are reflecting on this true life account, and they're saying, to get this passage, I've got to say some things that Moses could never say about himself. You've got to understand, he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. Let's read on, verse 4. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, Come out of the tent of meeting, all three of you. Come out to the tent of meeting. I want to speak with you. I want to speak with you. Now, I want you just to imagine God calling you out to meet him at a specific place. I mean, this is kind of a strange thing that happens, that God says, I want to meet you, but their response, it's not so strange, it says that they went. I mean, if God calls you out, and by name, and he says, I want you to meet me at church now, we got to talk. If you hear God say that to you, you say, I'm, I'm going to be there. I, I want to hear what's happening. So they three show up, God comes down, he speaks to them, and this is what he says. Verse 5 through 8. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, Listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, this is the Lord speaking, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. In other words, he says, when there's just an ordinary, average prophet, just a run-of-the-mill prophet, I speak to them in visions and dreams, but not so with this guy. Verse 7, but this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all of my house. See, you have no idea who you are talking to. You are being critical of Moses. You don't have all the information. You may have found one or two things that that aggravate you about Moses. There's a few things that you think that he can improve on or do better, but you don't see what I see. The Lord God says he has been faithful in all of my house. You don't know what you speak of. You see, verse 8, with him, the Lord says, I speak to him face to face, clearly 
and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Now, now look at this last part. Why then are you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? I love that. Why then are you so careless with your words? Why then are you so quick to criticize? You don't have all the information. How dare you speak against the one who's faithful to me? Church, I think there's a lot of things that we need to have the fear of the Lord back in our life. The things that we would speak against our family. How dare we speak a critical word against our family. We don't know all the things that God knows. How dare we speak critical things against our friends, our co-workers, our bosses. The critical things we speak against our pastors and our leaders here at church. God says, stop it. We need to deal with this. This is an attitude of a critical spirit and it is blocking the flow of my spirit in your midst. The damage that is brought about in the body of Christ from people who take it upon themselves to dwell upon their perceived impression of somebody else's fault with no view to their good, it is tremendous damage. Who could calculate the amount of damage that is done in the body of Christ from this kind of speaking? This is a huge tragedy of sin in the church. It's a reason for spiritual poverty that we experience in the church of Jesus Christ today. Why don't we see more outpouring of the Spirit? Why don't we see more people saved? Why don't we see more acts of God in our midst? Why don't we see revival in our church? Friends, it's because we are eating, we are devouring one another with a critical attitude. God, forgive us of our critical, fault-finding spirits. God is so not into our critical attitude. Why does this bug God so much? Why does this move Him to anger? Because when we have a critical attitude, we are tearing down what He is intending to build up. You're not just carelessly throwing out words. You are tearing down what He has decided He wants to build up. Look at Numbers 12, 9-14. Then the anger of the Lord burned against them, and He left them. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. Now look at the last part of verse 10. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, Please, I ask that you not hold the sin against us. We have so foolishly committed this sin. Please don't hold, it, hold this against us. Now, Church, if you had any doubt to this point, if you were just kind of wavering, I don't know what Pastor Brady's thinking. I mean, a critical attitude is not nice. It's not good. We don't want that. But it's sin. Sin. Hey, Aaron instantly saw it for what it was. When God came and spoke to him, he called it out. I didn't. This sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with a flesh half eaten away. Don't let her live as, as the living dead among us. Verse 13. So Moses, this blows me away. This is Moses' heart. So Moses, the one that was being criticized, cried out to the Lord, please God, heal her. Now this is a side note that we need to catch. Some of us, we're learning about the critical attitude in our life. Others, we need to learn how to deal with those who are critical. 
When we cry out to God that He would bring healing to them because we see a critical attitude for what it is. They are sick. They're wounded. They're dealing with pain in their own life. God, bring healing to them. This was His own family and friends coming against Him, but He calls out for healing for their sin. The Lord replied to Moses, If her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days, and after that she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until she was brought back. Now that's our text for this evening, and our job is not quite done yet. As I said, we're going to spend most of our time, as we did, looking at the text. But now we need to see some of the principles of application that I believe that God wants to bring into our hearts tonight. Before we can look at replacing this attitude with an attitude of love, we need to really lock arms with what this critical attitude is. First, in your outline, you may want to jot this down. We're back to that sheet again. Criticism is wrong. It's wrong. That's the whole point of this text. It's the whole point of this message. That's what it breaks down to. Criticism is wrong in this definition. Dwelling on the perceived faults of someone else with no view of their good in sight. Breaking this down a little farther. Criticism affects our relationship with God. You see, when we disobey God, when we are sinful in this, and we say, God, I know you don't want me to have a critical attitude, but, but I just can't help but say it. It affects our relationship with God. When we go on as if nothing has happened, and out of our mouth we curse one another, we're critical to one another, and then we say, God, you're holy, you're wonderful, and we wonder why we have a disconnect sometimes. We want the power of God to move in our midst, and we need to get serious about the words that come out of our mouth and the attitude that comes out of our heart. So what do we do? Well, 1 John 1, 9 would tell us to confess our sin before God. And we just say, God, forgive us of our sin of a critical attitude. But when we look at the word confess, it means to say the same thing as God says about it. And a lot of us want to be forgiven, but we're not so sure we want to confess that way. To confess your sin of a critical attitude, it's to speak of your critical attitude the way God speaks of it. There's no excuses. Well, I, I say these things, I act these way because of my mom. If you only knew my mom. If you only knew my dad. If you only knew the pressure that I was under, if you only had all the circumstances, you speak about your critical attitude the way God speaks about it. God, this is not pleasing to you. This is damaging to you. This is damaging to others. God, forgive me. Criticism is also wrong for our relationship with others. It affects our relationship with God. Criticism is also wrong for our relationship with others. See, critical people... They're often very lonely. If your phone is not ringing and you feel all alone, this may be a wake-up call for you to say, maybe I'm dealing with a critical attitude. You see, people are hurt by those who criticize. When you fill my ear with a bunch of stuff about someone else, how do you think that makes me wonder about what you would say about me when I walk out of the room? I want you to know, friends, I'm not speaking about any one of you. My memory is not that good. If you think I can sit here and preach right at you because I remember I have forgotten whatever offense it was. But if something is coming at you like a ton of bricks, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. God's saying, wait a minute, this could be a check in your own life. It affects our relationship with other people. 
That's not easy to say, and I'm sure it's not easy to hear, but it is so good for our soul tonight. Criticism is also wrong for us personally. Ultimately, you hurt yourself with a critical attitude. Every time in Scripture God says, don't, stop it, He's saying, don't, it's going to hurt, don't do that. You're going to mess up your life, you're going to hurt yourself. And so when you choose to sin, you're choosing to suffer. When you choose a critical attitude to continue that, you are choosing to suffer. God does not want us to stay stuck in that. Another principle from this passage that we could see is criticism. It's petty. It's petty. Now, now before you, you, you just shut me out on this, I'm not talking about your analytical mind. There's things that you see, and that's okay. And if you're an analytical person, you won't stop yourself from seeing things that are wrong, but you can have the Holy Spirit stop you from dwelling on your perception of somebody else's fault with no view to their good. One, you start seeing, God, help me start thinking about what would be good for them. God, remind me that I don't have all the pieces of the picture. And God, don't let me stay stuck dwelling on it over and over and over. You can use your gifts of analysis in far better ways than that. But criticism, defined as we've talked about, it is petty. I mean, just look at the text. They talk against Moses. We're ticked off at his wife. Really? Is that, is that what we're mad about? And we can talk about that, and maybe, maybe there's something there, but what, is that what we're mad about? I found it very helpful when talking to people and helping people who are dealing with a critical attitude to ask this next question. What is really bothering you? What is really bothering you? Sometimes we need to ask ourselves that question. What is really bothering me? Because so often the problem that we present, the critical aspect, the thing that we criticize, we bring up, is really not the problem at all. I mean, it may be something that we've seen, but what is really bothering us is something under the surface, something deeper. That's the case in this text. This was about, God, you always have to use Moses all the time. What about us? We're pretty good. I'm sick of hearing about Moses this and Moses that. There was jealousy. There was something else at the surface. You know what? Here are some prime possibilities. Definitely not a list in totality of what could be bothering you. But here's a few that are very common. Sometimes the real issue for us is unforgiveness. You find yourself being critical over and over and over again. It's an issue of unforgiveness. And friend, I'm not trying to make light of your hurt and your pain. I'm not saying that what happened to you was right. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be some consequence somewhere. But you know what? When you hang on to that bitterness, that unforgiveness, you are doing nothing to hurt them. You're doing nothing that helps them. You are hurting yourself. And you're allowing this to tear you up on the inside. And you're being critical to others because of the unforgiveness that you're hanging on to. Church, if you had time... And if I had time to walk through the things that you are carrying, you're dealing with, that unforgiveness is hanging on to, I have no doubt it'd bring tears to my eyes. I have no doubt the mass of people who would hear your story would weep as well. But it is time to let God take over. And it is time to let it go. I'm not asking you to minimalize it. I'm not asking you to be a doormat. Forgiveness is granted. Trust is earned. And that's a whole other message. But when you hang on to this bitterness, this unforgiveness, you will become a critical person. And this will block the flow of God in your life. Sometimes the real issue, as it is in this text, is envy and jealousy. 
And this is very similar to a critical attitude. I don't know that I've ever had any person come up to me and say, you know what, Pastor, you know what I really deal with? I am so jealous. I'm just so envious of people. The very nature of envy and jealousy is, is this right that I have. I'm not jealous. I deserve it. I'm not envious. I should have had it. Someone else is jealous because they didn't deserve it. It wasn't theirs. It's, I'm just entitled. You know, a lot of our critical spirit comes out of envy and jealousy. In essence, it's an inadequacy that we feel. And that makes the jealous and envious person even more mad to suggest that. You thought Carrie climbed my case. Well, look, oh, it, it's worse. Church, I'm not suggesting this is easy to hear. I want you to know it's not easy to say, but it is so good for our soul to allow God to uncover this and pull out the splinter and let the pus come out and bring freedom in our heart. Sometimes the real issue is personal failure. You've forgiven others. You've forgiven God. You've walked through envy and jealousy, but... The real issue is a personal failure on your part. You can't forgive yourself. Some of you, uh, it may not be this lack of forgiving yourself or a personal failure that causes you to be critical of others. The real underlying issue is you're projecting your personal failure and disobedience on everyone else. Well, everybody's a hypocrite. Everybody I see is fake. Everybody I talk to is not genuine. Maybe, Maybe you're struggling with being honest and genuine, and right before God. Woo, Pastor Edgar, you thought they were uh, shy well ago. They're shy right now. Church, this is good for our hearts. Sometimes what's really bothering us is a personal failure. These last few, and I'll be through. Criticism, it's also self-exalting. If you boil it down, when you are dwelling upon your perception of somebody else's fault with no view of their good insight, who are you helping? Who are you lifting up? You're lifting up yourself. You're saying, I could do better than them. I could see that. I can't believe how dumb they are that they would act that way. It is driving me crazy. Proverbs 3, 7 says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Criticism is also painful. We've talked a little bit about that. Can you imagine what Moses would feel? His own friends, family coming at him, criticizing him this way. No doubt Moses was human and had all kinds of character flaws, all kinds of things that could be seen. But God says, stop it. This is painful. This is going to tear up my body, my community that I'm setting up. When we are critical, it is painful. It's painful for you, and it's painful for the person you are criticizing. It's also painful for the people who have to listen to the poison. Criticism is often inadvertent. Numbers 12, 11, we see that here Aaron is now saying, Oh, forgive us of our foolish ways. It was not intentional. I could just hear him say, I didn't really mean it. You know what? This doesn't cut it for God. When we use our critical attitude to speak words or to harbor thoughts and we say, oh, I didn't really mean it. You know what? You may not have meant it, but you're doing damage to yourself and others. Here's how we do this. I was just kidding. I was just joking. Well, don't joke that way. I'm just kind of a sarcastic personality. Don't rip flesh that way. 
Knock it off. God loves humor. God loves to have fun. Pastor Edgar's right on. So many times we miss the joy of the Lord is not somber. It's exciting. We can lift our voices to God. We can laugh. We can enjoy each other. But as my enjoyment is brought about by throwing daggers at you, that's, that's not enjoyment. Well, I didn't mean it. God says, it may have been inadvertent. You may not have meant it, but it's still doing damage. It's still disobedient to me. His final thought, criticism plugs the flow of God's blessing in our life. Now don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that if you fix your critical attitude problem, God will give you everything you could ever hope for and everything you could write down on a piece of paper. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying all the things that God has hoped for you, all the things that God has written down for you, all the things that God desires for you, you and I foul it up and mess it up because we get so much junk in our heart we can't even receive what He wants for us. We allow it to plug up our heart. Well, a little bit like Good Friday, today's teaching comes to a, oh my goodness. But next week we will see the resurrection power and the hope that God gives and as it, as it is with every one of these attitudes you cannot change a bad attitude overnight you cannot do it you can change directions on a bad attitude overnight but you cannot change it overnight and we're going to look at not just saying oh, I'm going to be done being critical good luck with that it's not going to happen it's not going to work we need to displace it with an attitude of love in our hearts. When I begin to love you more, and I begin to love those around me more, I begin to say, I, I don't want to say those words and hurt you. I don't want to harbor those thoughts in my mind. But before we get there next week, I just want to ask you a couple questions as we come to a close. I want to invite you just to bow your head, close your eyes. I'm not going to have music played. I'm not even going to ask you to come to the altar. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm going to ask you to sit there and allow God to speak to your heart. I want you to not ask yourself. I don't even really want you to ask me. I want you to ask God, God, am I dealing with a critical attitude? If God's speaking to you, He'll clearly bring things to your mind. The next question is for you. Are you willing to allow God to grow you in this area and bring freedom in your life from a critical attitude? If you're not willing, I respect that. But if you are, in your mind, I want you to pray with me and just seek God together. Father, I thank you for this awesome group of believers. Those who come out on a night like tonight, no doubt they love you. They're living for you. They are godly men and women just like Miriam. But Lord, all of us are subject to the traps of the enemy to allow a critical attitude to take over in our life. Lord, I pray that you will convict our hearts tonight. Where we've fallen into the trap of being critical, dwelling on our perception of someone or something else's faults with no vision of good in mind for them. Lord, I pray that you will drive us to a place of confession before you tonight. We'll stop making excuses and we'll start calling it what it is. Speak about it the way you speak about it. 
So if God's pricked your heart, I want you to, in your mind, pray with me. Jesus, I confess that this attitude is displeasing to you. It is sin. And I want you to help me turn from it. I'm open to your leading and your teaching. Not only show me now, but grow me over the next number of weeks. Jesus, it's in your powerful name that we pray. Amen.